of Death Readers. I'm Doug. And I'm Rob. This is season two, episode six of Death Readers, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. This is a podcast where we read the Harry Potter series, I for the first time and Rob for his sixth or seventh, seventh or eighth or ninth. Like that. Many times Rob has read this book uh, series. I have never read it. I'm uh, a little over 30. And the premise of this show is that we're taking me with essentially virgin eyes and taking a shot at the, the books and, and experimenting with how they they work for me, what my tastes are, what I like, what I sort of, you know, get into, what I'll end up changing in a couple of years. Um, this is so sexy. Thoughts. Oh, is it? <laughs> my bad. I, I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, no. Keep going. Um, anyway, it's, it's mostly just like, like my interpretation of the book as I've seen it. I, I have seen the films and uh, Rob's here to correct me and guide me through this process and make sure that I, I pick up on things that I probably wouldn't have picked up on because I'm too obsessed and concerned with the minutiae of Harry's etiquette and the litigious nature of the wizarding world. Rob will help be there to help me and you along with the way that I'm ruining the plot. Oh, a mature hand guiding your... Okay. Growth. This is real... This Okay. So are we doing Lolita next? <laughs> I feel like no. that's where this just No, went. no. That, okay, I was... <laughs> I was guiding you. Harold hey. and Maude? Maybe. I'm Probably Harold. more accurate. Dibs. Wait, you're Mod? No, I'm Harold. Oh. Harold Potter and the Mod of Phoenix. Dude, I don't know what that Hallows. is. Ugh. Well, I don't, I, she is old. Um, Shh, not anymore. She's dead. Yes. Fair. Ruth Gordon. This is this is not how I expected this show to start. <laughs> I haven't thought about Harold and Maud in forever. I haven't thought about Lolita in forever, but here you are bringing it up. For no, me. I was bringing up Her Harold and Maud. That's not a defense. Um, okay. Ruth Gordon. I liked her in uh, Rosemary's Baby. Now she has a baby. Okay. All right. Well, this is the last episode of this season. This it's is, a book rap party. This is the book rap party. Yeah, we didn't even get into that. This is where we finish up Chamber of Secrets. Uh, how are you feeling about finishing up Chamber of Secrets before we even get into the last three chapters? I enjoyed the last three chapters. I'm excited about getting on to book three. Yeah. Where Because I, I feel like we're we're past all the introductory Shit, movie-wise, we're out of the Chris Columbus stuff. We're we're about to get into where Harry Potter really starts to get interesting. Yeah, how are you feeling about it? Um, you finished your I'm, second Harry Potter book. I'm glad to be done with it. I think in the first episode of this season, we I mentioned that I am excited for this book because I feel like it's an underrated book and I feel like it's probably one of the best books in the series. Mm -hmm. I still feel that way about a couple of chapters in this book, but overall, it was is like Jaws two. Do you think there's just too much retread yeah, and too much so re-explanation? It, it's like when you watch uh, The Force Awakens and you're like, wait, there's another Death Star? Haven't seen it, but okay. Or, okay, or like Return of the Jedi and you're like, there's another Death Star and the whole Shit, thing. Shit, they did that like, three times, didn't they? They did it four times. Four times? Yeah, because technically Rogue One also blows up the Death Star. It's the same Death Star, though. It's but just it's from a different angle. But it's the I same idea of like, there's, this is the They didn't blow threat. it up. No, but it's it's still the same threat. It's, it's just kind of like... Yeah, I've, okay, seen, I'll give you I've seen plenty of World War II movies. But, but at least in that sense, like A New Hope and Jedi, it's the same It's the same people making that movie. It's not like, you know, 20, 30 years later. Right. Uh, or like, you know, like I said, with, with like Jaws or something. It just, it feels like, or like, honestly, the, the most accurate I can put it to is it's kind of like, it's kind of like Evil Dead 2, 
where it's not a sequel, it's just a remake. Right. That's that's really how this feels. Like we to, in so many different ways, and I'll get there eventually. But just that's sort of how I felt after reading this book. Was there's just a lot of it that feels like we've done this before, and mm-hmm. that's weird. Okay. Like there's there's just not that much. There's not enough that's new. Gotcha. To make me feel like it. I get why it's overlooked. I get why people sort of like forget about it or don't talk about it. I'm really hoping three holds up now. Well, it probably will. I mean, unless if three, okay, I I don't remember that movie very well. Sure. I don't remember enough of the movies very well enough to know, to even remember how the fucking plot goes. But if three starts with Harry at the Dursleys, some tragedy happens at the Dursleys that makes life, that reminds us all that life is tough for him then something happens that gets him to Hogwarts and potentially a different mechanism than a train or a flying car. And, hold on, and uh, and then we take a long time to get to Hogwarts. There's a feast. There's um, a like, reintroduction to the new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. Then we uh, are introduced to some sort of uh, odd happenings and a mystery. Oh, dear. A really long time to play out, and then the film ends with Harry and the new Defense of the Dark Arts teacher having an interaction and a conflict with the villain of the film or the, or the conflict of the film, the, the, some, whoever's causing the problem, antagonist. That's what I was losing. The antagonist of the film in a dungeon of some kind or, you know, some sort of secluded area, then I'll probably have those criticisms and I feel like uh, those those were the big story beats that repeated themselves in this film. And judging by your... Really, what are the chances of any of that happening? Judging by your quivering, I'm expecting it to basically be exactly that. Um, and, and again, I think that's why I, 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 you know, it's... So wait, you were honestly only recapping the beats of this book? You weren't thinking ahead? Yes, Ooh. that is exactly what happens in this book. And I no, I just, I just, I thought perhaps you were. He starts with the Dursleys. You know, Dobby fucks you know, shit up. He you know. gets in the flying car. No, he gets to Hogwarts. You're not wrong. There's a feast that he that skips, but it's still like a part of of this story. Very true. Then there's a long, drawn out, and relatively boring mystery. It's not short. It's not short. And then it ends with Harry and the new Defense of the Dark Arts teacher in the in a dungeon of some kind, fighting the antagonist, which is exactly what happened in the first film book in the first book so it feels like already it feels tired now i i know that prisoner of azkaban gets a huge you know jolt of electricity from sirius black and i'm excited for that mm-hmm. but i really wasn't i i don't remember i don't remember exactly how everything works in the next book sure so i don't think that it happens. I hope it doesn't happen exactly as I just described, right? Because that would be funny. But it's those are the those are the uh, the formulaic bits that sort of bore me, right? But whatever. I mean, like I like this this first this season. The first episode is basically like, yeah, okay, he's not on the train this time. All right, it's still a long haul and slog over to Hogwarts. Whatever. Slogwarts. Slogwarts. It's kind of how it feels. Maybe that'll be the title of season three, episode one. Uh, Slogwarts. Anyway, uh, so, but that will, let's just get into this because I I unfortunately don't feel like I have too much to say about these chapters. I do have some. Okay. But like, I was surprised at how little I had to like comment on because it all just sort of happened. Sure. Um, But this, so let's just get into chapter 16, The Chamber of Secrets. Okay. Titular title. We're in the area that the book's named for. We are. 
So uh, my first note is I just took note of the the moment, the, the third part, the second of three parts where Percy's activity with Penelope in the dungeon is acknowledged. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I was disappointed in it event- later when the third part comes around where they, they just reaffirm very clearly that he was kissing her down there. Right. I was very disappointed with that because I was really hoping it was like, a huge like wink and a nod to adults and just not a thing that she would bring up again. I was really hoping for that. And then when this happened, I guess this is actually the fourth uh, allusion to it, where he sits down and Ginny gets up at the at the breakfast table. Sure. And he's like, oh, she caught me doing something. I was like, oh, that's awesome. When I first read that part of the chapter, mm-hmm. I was like, this is great. This is hilarious. Like, he was totally doing sex down there. <laughs> <laughs> and then... <laughs> and then... And then it's like, I'm just going to jump ahead. At the end of the book, there's just like, he was kissing... He was kissing down there with his new girlfriend. And, oh, that sucks. Like, that's so much lamer than... If she had just not said anything, right. it would have been a thousand percent better. Also, kissing? Are you kidding me? How old is this kid? 17. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised. I'm surprised it's just kissing. I mean, maybe that's all she caught them doing, but... Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> But it also brings up a really good point. I mean, not a good point. It brings up an idea in my head about, like, I'm sure for the nature of it being a book about children, there can't be any acknowledgement of underage sex. Sure. But that happens in the real world. Right. And plenty of shit that doesn't happen in the real world happens in this book. So I'm going to presume that anything that is real could and does happen in this world. Fair enough. So somebody's losing their virginity at Hogwarts. Just going for it. <laughs> I mean, that's that's it. It's just it definitely happens. They like they have seemed to have inner like like co-ed uh, like houses. Certainly, there's it, it's not hard to sneak out at night. No, and and the, even in this book, there's a moment where uh, Ginny breaks into the boys the boys' dormitory and like rifles through Harry's things. Mm-hmm. So it's not like there's some sort of magic access that keeps people of opposite genders out of each other's rooms. Yes and no. Well, at least not that I've observed. I'm so, just I'm just saying there's 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 sexist restriction. Girls can enter the boys' dormitory, but not vice versa. Oh, that's weird. And we'll find that out later. That's real weird. I'm excited to hear about that because that's a that's a weird rule to put into play. But at least there's rules. Like, and that's that's really what I'm looking for. Is I'm I'm interested in the structure of how the world's built, and that you know mostly that I want to know these other these characters, these caretakers of these children have taken into account these concerns. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the same time. The headmaster of the school and the teachers and the governors seem to have no interest in the safety of the children. Or if they do, it's only to, you know, advance their own political agendas or for whatever, you know, pet projects or things that they have uh, soft spots for or whatever. Like, Lucius clearly wants to get rid of Dumbledore. Right. But it really isn't about the safety of the children. It's about, no. you know, getting him out of there and also bringing Voldemort back. It kind of feels like like Hogwarts is a... Is a power play among everyone. Like, like education of the children is secondary, since yeah. most of that would happen at home anyway. And that's not ex- that's not justified in any way so far. Like, we're not. I have not read any part of this that explains why the ministry wouldn't be where all this drama takes place. Mm-hmm. Like, why aren't people clamoring to become the minister the minister of magic? Right. I don't see why isn't Lucius Malfoy trying to push himself into that position? Why is he after Hogwarts? Hopefully this is a deliberate question I'm supposed to be asking myself and not just like everything I've asked in this podcast. It's it hopefully will end up being 
you know, a, a thing that is clarified in later books and not just an oversight by the author who's responsible, unfortunately, for caring for this meticulous and intricate world of fantasy and magic, in which a lot of political intrigue and bureaucratic, you know, backstabbing happens. Mm -hmm. It seems sort of like we're supposed to just assume, well, because the general audience of this book is supposed to be children who are in elementary school, to them, the most powerful entity in the world is the school. So therefore, it would be easy to for them to relate to someone trying to take control over or trying to influence the way it works without any regard for like, yeah, but why? Exactly why? Now, I think there's arguments to be made for clearly there are things about Hogwarts itself that are magically better. Like, for example, the Chamber of Secrets exists at Hogwarts. The heir of Slytherin wants to get in there. Right. He wants to get in there to get the Basilisk or get whatever he can get out of there. There's other things there that are important. Clearly, Dumbledore has a pile of religious or magical artifacts that help do things that maybe for some reason aren't in other places that are potentially more secure. There's there's potentially a lot of reasons mm -hmm. why why it would be such a hard fought you know chess piece on the board of the wizarding world, but it isn't exactly explained or examined. Really right. examined. Even. Like, we don't have at least at this point any chapters from you know anybody else's besides Harry's perspective really. Which doesn't we have surprise very him. few of those in the series, right? It's not surprising. He is the he is the you know the character who's on the cover, and it's it's his it's his series. But mm -hmm. it's also hard to get a real broad worldview from the character who's as nascent as we are in this world. So I don't know why all of that's happening, but whatever it is. Again, maybe that's why. Maybe that's part of why. Dumbledore is like Dumbledore is the most powerful wizard ever. Harry insists. Right. He's the greatest wizard of all time. Why is the greatest wizard of all time a headmaster at a school? Like, because he's not just the most powerful. He's the greatest. He is the greatest. And, I his, get that. and he understands that to be great, you have to devote yourself to the education of others. Yeah. He could also have a lot more cynical approach to it. He could know that he's essentially training a army mm -hmm. you know he is essentially training the next the, every year he is responsible for interacting with the next wave of young wizards who will eventually populate the world throughout his life right and if he can get them all to be loyal to him or them him to them to have some sort of reverence for him then he has bodies that's certainly a factor in this book almost to a creepy level too a real creepy level where he he, it, he basically tells harry this is how the world works like, you must be loyal to me, and if you're right. loyal to me, I'll save your life. Things like that. Yeah, it's it's a little unsettling. Uh, cultish. It, well, or predatory. Like, sure. You know, and not even just like in a, in a obviously the go-to sexual way. That's not what I mean. I just mean like, you know, he... He's certainly grooming Harry. He, in the cult level, like you just mentioned, he is trying to get these people to be devout to him, to, to have a devotion that is to the point where they would be willing to risk their lives. Right. Like, they would be willing to fight to the death for him or his name or his legacy or his ideals. Very X-Men-like. You know, Charles Xavier does the exact th same thing, um, except in that sense, mutants are more persecuted for being, and they can't hide as easily as the wizards clearly do. They have a whole existence shrouded from the, the Mogo world, which, again, later in this chapter will bother me some more, but uh, it just seems so strange how often we have this world within a world that is so ignorant of the outside world. Mm-hmm just doesn't make any sense to me but whatever um the, the the idea that that's part of what dumbledore is doing is i think ex i mean again i'm 
I'm cursed with the foreknowledge of some of the things from the movies. So I know that like the Order of the Phoenix is essentially, you know, that. The, right. the Dumbledore's army becomes a thing that's named. It feels weird. It feels scary. Like if you had a kid in a school. Sure. And then you the kid came home and started telling you things that sounded really weird, like like not their words. Right. You know oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like words, like they started speaking in a way that sounded very alien to you, like very much like someone else is talking through them. Their rhetoric. So they're, yeah, they're, they're being, they're repeating and, and citing rhetoric that they've been conditioned and trained to repeat and to think. You would have suspicions and concerns, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds like what happens at Hogwarts. I mean, I, beyond just it being literal magic that they're learning and things like that, if, if you heard someone coming home talking about, like, just, like, it goes both ways. Like, if, you, if someone came back to the house, their parents' house and was talking about how, you know, mudbloods are kind of, like, they make me feel gross. Or, like, I just wish they didn't exist. Right. Things like that. You'd be concerned if you were a yes, well-rounded person. It, it kind of, I mean, it goes both ways. If, you're, if someone came home and was like, well, I really, I would do anything for Dumbledore. I would, you know, I would fight the Dark Lord for Dumbledore. I feel suspicious. Like, why is that part of what's happening in your brain? Like, why? Okay, sure, we could have a conversation objectively about whether or not that would happen. But for you to assert it makes it sound like you're thinking about it a lot. Right. And that's dangerous. That's scary. Real world ISIS, that shit happens. Like, people in the Western world will become, will transition into being ISIS fighters and then afterwards be like, oh, shit, I fucked up. Can I please come home? And they're like, people are like, no. Like that's happening. I think it happened in Canada. I'm pretty sure it's happened in here. It's happened mm-hmm. in the UK. It happens. It's it, but it, that's the thing that's disturbing because it's still very similar. Like Dumbledore, in the way he does so far, and he has very little to do with this character. These characters so far, he doesn't interact with Harry much in the first two right. books. But the way he does and when he does definitely feels like a unsettling guiding hand and pushing Harry towards danger mm-hmm. and like a pawn towards this danger to get him to do what he needs to do so that Dumbledore can do it without getting involved. But either way, whatever happens needs to happen. Like Dumbledore needs Voldemort's first Horcrux to be destroyed. Right. He needs, you know, Harry Potter to like flex his muscles and get, and get going. But so I'm not exactly sure what Dumbledore's specific end game agenda is, but it definitely seems like these are premeditated risks. He's because he's he's playing wizard's chess. I mean, I know it's a metaphor that's supposed to be there. Sure. But that's what's happening. He he's he's moving Harry around like a pawn or whatever. And I'm sure Harry in Dumbledore's eyes is growing in rank among the board pieces throughout the the books. So maybe this time he's a bishop. Who knows? But like for, for whatever metaphor I'm trying to shove down into this, it is very much that. It is very much Dumbledore's safe right now away making sure he's organizing these things the way he needs to and Voldemort's doing the same thing in a lot of different ways from whatever force he's supposed to be hiding in at this point Albania Albania yeah that's you know I know that in in the grand scheme of things we're event- we just like Harry will eventually be brought around to accepting and understanding the validity and the merit behind what Dumbledore's doing but I think at this point we need to take a step to say hey everybody remember this is how cults work like, this is exactly how indoctrination works. You, you gradually become accustomed to a new norm that is, to a previous version of yourself, unattainable or unreasonable, unquestionable, un- impossible. You would never do these things. But eventually you'll be brought around to accepting this is normal, this is what you should be doing, and then you're too far gone. Right. Like you've already, the, the cult leader or the person who's manipulating you has succeeded 
in brainwashing you and getting you to accept their terms and their values as your own. So for the rest of this series, we just have to remember that that is kind of what Dumbledore is doing. Right. Subtext. It's, yeah, um, it's, 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 it's there. It's dark, but it's not, doesn't feel wrong. No. I don't think it does. I, thank you. I don't think it does either. I feel like we're, it's so much easier to look at the same actions that Voldemort's doing and have the narration tell us it's evil without recognizing how similar Voldemort or, or Dumbledore is. Sure. Um, I mean, here's, here's the example. Voldemort will kill indiscriminately, right? Right. That sounds pretty evil. Dumbledore will sacrifice indiscriminately. Shit. He lets people die for the cause without fully making them aware of the risk they're at. He lets Hogwarts, he persists and pushes for Hogwarts to remain open mm -hmm. because he knows that for some reason it's a huge target. It's, it's the thing Voldemort can't get over. So Voldemort is going to keep coming back. He's going to keep fighting for it. He's going to keep tr murdering people to get there. And Dumbledore knows that. And I think that's mainly why he keeps it open. At the risk of all these children. How many, I mean, even at this point, we have one person that's died as a result of Voldemort's actions. And I'm not going to hold Dumbledore responsible. Right. But everything that happens after, especially the events in this book. Mm -hmm. You can even disregard the events of the first book. But especially the events in this book, he Dumbledore deserves a lot of responsibility for the deaths that are coming. And I feel like he gets a pass a lot of the time. I feel like one of the ways, reasons he gets a pass is that fucking scene where he's supposed to be drinking out of that stupid conch. <laughs> we'll get to that yeah, later. Okay, 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 Dumbledore, have your fucking Pedialyte. Oh, what a big <laughs> sacrifice you took. It's not enough. Hedwig died. Sorry, I'm still hurt about that. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of deaths that are that I haven't gotten over from the films. Um, anyway, so let's get into the first chapter. <laughs> I feel like we're almost an hour into this episode, and I haven't even. I know I've said the name of the chapter, but let's get actually into it. Was, it. it was a good rant, though. Um, I like that. Really okay. With that. So you said the name of the chapter. This is about. This, this literally started with me talking about how I'm glad per, I'm, like Percy's having like kissing, and I think he should actually be fucking. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry everyone I, I'm sure I can tie that back around to make it make sense but yeah it came down to what are the rules why, are, why sure. is there so much reckless shit being allowed to happen at, right. at Hogwarts and the answer is because Voldemort or Dumbledore I'm getting them confused I know I do that all there the might be a reason you're getting them confused maybe I, it's a really good observation they're, well yeah but they're also they're, like just phonetically their names are very similar just phonetically they're very similar but yes that too but it's be, I think again part of it is because one, either Dumbledore doesn't have enough time to concentrate on these kind of rules, or two, he needs there to be a lack of rules sure. so that he can get away with things, too. Also, I mean, as I've grown up, also, you know, 17-year-olds having sex with each other, it's just not that big of a deal. Right. <laughs> like, whatever. Who cares? Like, eh. the amount of, the amount of, like emphasis and stress that was put on that as I was when I was in high school about that being such a bad thing or like you're you're gonna ruin your life and it's like I mean maybe but not like this <laughs> uh, 294 go for it uh, this is gonna feel small potatoes in, in light of your mm -hmm. Dumbledore Ayatollah right yeah. but I just like the teachers ganging up on Lockhart. They're, they're, it showed a, a solidarity and um, 
like camaraderie that you don't think of them having. Yeah. They're like, because because they just picked up on it without even looking at each other. It's just like one took it up and the rest ran with it. Like, oh yeah, yeah, Gilroy, yeah. this is on you. And they all just kind of bend it together. I like. You're right. I like that, and I also like that they. They were all the other teachers in that room are kind of going through a real crisis. Yeah, there's a real crisis going into the, because they're all, a student that they're yeah. they're they're responsible for is fucking no bones about it been taken into this thing that's not supposed to exist. Arguably, all bones about it because her skeleton will lie well, in the chamber forever. Right. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like something I would have said. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, they're, they're all having real serious reactions to this. Uh, new revelation that like Ginny has been taken and she will be she'll she's supposed to be dead. She's mm-hmm. at this point she's there as far as they know she is dead. Right. I think we're supposed to believe this is the first death in fifty years at Hogwarts. Right. So that is a traumatic and huge and Dumbledore's not even there to help guide them through right. it because he's been removed. So it really is falling all on all of them who at this point don't really have a clear chain of command. They don't have a clear like leadership structure to take. Okay, who's really in charge here? Like so you have. You know, Snape and McGonagall and... Uh, the, I would Flitwick. I would argue that Snape and McGonagall are the most practical. Right, but you still have, you know... Uh, Flitwick and Sprout are the other two heads of houses. And, and Sprout is definitely there having her own right. issues. But she's she's not a... She, she isn't someone to scoff at, I think. I, I, would, I respect her mm-hmm. as a character. Even to this point, without really having much exposure to her, I, I respect her as a, as a teacher. Sure. Flitwick maybe less so. But <laughs> whatever, that's not really... He just doesn't seem like he... I feel like you've got a lot of movie Flitwick in your head. I do have a lot of movie Flitwick. And and he is a little bit silly in the books, but the movie really amped that up, and it's hard to take him quite as seriously. Yeah. When he looks like a Saturday morning cartoon character. Yeah, and most of his actions are similar to that. And there's not really much to read, but the stuff that's there is... It's it's not flattering. True. So, but one of the things I really like about the scene, I'm glad you brought it up, is that we do have... Even in that high-stress moment, they all kind of... They all kind of, like, punk... Yeah, uh, Lockhart. Like they're all kind of in on this sort of like, egg him on to do something that he shouldn't do, right? Because they they want him to fail and they want to essentially. Or they just know he's so full of shit he's gonna run. You think that's it? You think they they just they they think that's angle? I felt like that's I felt like that's what it was. But you thought? I think it was mostly them calling him out and then like. Either, either way, go deal with this. Yeah, either either he goes and deals with it and he fails, or or like and they, they actually have respect for him, or he bails, he runs away. They, have to they, deal they with finally it. get to call him out. Right. Because I think that's been building up. I think the tension of every character, and sure. even the readers, at this point is tired of him being, you know, so verbose and obnoxious. And I think it's 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 relief to get some comeuppance for that character. Um, hope mine never comes. Because I'm verbose and obnoxious. Sure, 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 um, sure. No, you, you are definitely verbose and obnoxious. Um, I got another Lockhart it note. It cannot be denied. <laughs> Oh. Would you say 292? I'm at 299. Uh, mine's, next one's 298. Um, also, I haven't yet mentioned this, but I've wanted to before we leave Lockhart. Um, <laughs> We're not leaving him for a while. I don't even know if I'm going to keep this in, but I always find it interesting that Lockhart was once married to Pref- Professor Trelawney and left her for Bellatrix Lestrange. That is in there? No, that's in real life. The actor? The actor. Kenneth Branagh was married to Emma Thompson. Dumped her ass for Helen Bonham Carter. Wow. That is nasty. That is dark. Are they still together? No. I think he was he 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 was with her in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. I uh that's weird. 
Uh, I just saw that Kenneth Branagh is going to be, and I'm sure this already happened, but he's in that William Shakespeare movie that's coming out. Or... Yeah, he plays William Shakespeare. Yeah, kind of psyched about that. I think I want to see that movie. Uh, 298. Can you open your book to that? Are you going to chastise me? About no, that? I'm not going to chastise you at all. I just want to see if our, our copies are different. Oh, okay. Yeah. Give me a second. This isn't a petard moment, is it? No, petard. That's petarded. All right, I'm on. Um, Shouldn't have done that. <laughs> about shouldn't have let. Can you read that? After Harry shouldn't yelled, t- after have... Harry yells, bellowed. Sorry, Expelliarmus. Uh huh. What, what does Harry say? So when you say, so after Expelliarmus? Yeah. What does what does Harry say next after the description of Lockhart being blasted? Shouldn't have let Professor Snape teach us that one. Interesting. Mine's different. Mine says, shouldn't have let Professor Snape teach us that one. Proving Rob right. Doug's an asshole. I still don't think that this is accurate. <laughs> I think, as we've established, Harry's not necessarily the most reliable narrator or character in this story. I'm just so saying. I think that this is false attribution. I don't even know what that is. It means he's wrong. It means Harry's wrong. I'm just saying Snape taught Harry Expelliarmus. I'm saying everyone thinks he did, but it's like how everyone thinks Columbus discovered America, and they're wrong. What's your note? <laughs> <laughs> this is, but, yeah, obviously that's in the book. Fine. Um, my note, uh, 299, upon learning Lockhart is uh, a fraud... Harry marches him to the Chamber of Secret at one point, essentially using him as a coal mine's canary. Oh, yeah. Like, that's like the idea is that Harry, he gets vindictive. Oh, yeah. He gets like, you know what? I've had enough of you. And instead of just having enough of you and telling you off and letting you leave, I'm going to put you, you're, you're, you in harm's way. I'm going to put your life on the line and make you deal with this. And, like, Harry knows there's a basilisk. Okay? Sure. Like, at this point, Harry knows all of what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Lockhart doesn't. I don't even think they know. He, he, I think at this point he doesn't know that there is a basilisk. Sure. So he doesn't know what he's not what he's walking into, but Harry does. Mm-hmm. That's really cruel. It's cruel, but I would also argue this is around the. He's what 11, 12? He would be twelve at this point. I would say this is probably the time when kids. Hopefully, it's not earlier than this. Kids are really starting to get disappointed by adults. Ah. Oh. And none of them ever have agency. Yeah. And so in this way, Harry can be confronted with this disappointment and be like, you know what? No, I'm going to do something about it. And it might be cathartic for kids reading it. Yeah, but isn't the whole thing like that, though? I mean, isn't the that's whole good, yeah, the whole point. series is about adults being wrong and Harry. Like, how many how many instances of Harry and Ron sneaking out in the middle of the night to do something they're told not to do do you need before you get satisfied with, like, being upset with your parents? Literally, the end of the book is uh, Dumbledore saying, I told you guys I'd expel you if you broke another rule. And then they're like, oh, no, you did. And then he's like, JK, you guys are the coolest. No problems. 200 points to Gryffindor. And he like, you know, fucking explosions happen. And like there's confetti, streamers, parades. And then they ska, go to the- a ska band playing in the corner. And then they have like, <laughs> and then and then it's, it's meaningless. All the, it's horrible, like enforcement for behavior. <laughs> It's literally saying, do everything that you should when someone, like, follow all the rules unless you know better. Right. Okay. And when you know better, break them all you want. It's probably for the best. Shove that teacher into the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. At gunpoint. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it feels like, you know. I mean, I certainly have had those thoughts and it's it's compelling to read that kind of actual vindictiveness be enacted. But at the same time, when you look at it from a actually you know re- a real world point of view you're like that's that's pretty fucked up i mean it's it's equivalent i would say to 
that experience you're talking about, that catharsis, is equivalent to like when you're reading like Hannibal stories. Like the whole the whole appealing thing about that character is that he's taking out aggression and anger on people who are not acting appropriately. Right. They're, they're rude. And you get to experience the visceral relief of killing people who are rude or upset you. Or in keeping some way. them alive and feeding them. Or yeah, or torturing them, but causing them torture. That's dark. Causing them immense pain and anguish because you feel like you've been wronged. You're not wrong. I know, <laughs> <laughs> but it it doesn't. I'm saying that it's you. A, you see me. <laughs> I'm saying it's a slow gradient. Sure. From one to the other. Okay. And I, I again, I feel like this is, as we see in these chapters, a very maybe maybe not this specific thing, but there are. I want, that's actually something I'm really curious about. Like, there are obvious points in this book and the rest of the books, and earlier at least, where there are supposed to be serious allusions to the idea that Harry and Voldemort are similar. Mm-hmm. Too similar, in fact. This book gives a little bit of the justification for that. Mm-hmm. But it only addresses surface level similarities. Right. They kind of look alike. Right. I don't know if it's been mentioned yet, but they have the same wand. Essentially, they have twin wands. Yeah, that's been mentioned. That, okay. Or at least they, he had, yeah. That, yeah, that was, was mentioned, mentioned in the first, first book. book. Right. They have twin wands. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're both parcel mouths. Uh, they... Both orphans. Both orphans, yes. They, uh, I'm trying to remember if there's... Uh, both would do well in Slytherin right. kind of thing. Uh, but they're not addressing any of the things like Harry's actual behavior. You know, they, they, Dumbledore even says, you know, it's not where the hat would put you. It's what you do with life. It's what you do and not just like who who you could be meant to be. Mm-hmm. And I get that that's an important message in the book. Like that's a really important lesson to get out of the book if you're a child. But it feels like if you're reading it closely, you can see Harry be kind of evil. Like mm-hmm. you can see him be darker than just also being able to talk to snakes. Right. And and there it's disturbing, and I I wonder how much of that was deliberate because I don't hear anybody talking about it. Like I haven't heard any. I don't listen to any other podcasts about Harry Potter, but like I don't. Anytime anyone's ever talked about these books, no one talks about this. Honestly, I think because I've listened to some, and I'm not saying I've listened to them all or religiously, but hearing you bring it up, that's the first time it's been brought to my attention. It it feels like it's there, and I don't think it's. Necessarily intentional? I mean, I think all the things she writes are intentional. I don't think she realized... I, 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 I don't think she realized to the extent at which she's painting Harry as a malicious, scary character in a lot of different ways. Her, the idea informed her writing more than she was aware of. Or maybe it's just that she informed her writing more than she was aware of. Yeah, maybe, okay. maybe it's reflective of some of her demons, you know, like that she has these sort of wishes to take action out on different people that are that have wronged her in similar ways or that these are like dark thoughts she's had and that's how she can write them down because she's had them. Right. You know, these the idea of turning Dudley into a pig or giving Dudley a pig's tail, things like that. Like, again, those are all whimsical, supposed to be very fantastic things. But when you think about it practically, uh, I'll call it practical magic. Oh, no, that's all you get. That's all you get. Thanks. Um, <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> you gave more. <laughs> Bastard. The, uh, I, I cannot help but think about these things in a realistic way, and I think about how traumatic and horrible a lot of this shit is. And I don't know if I'm supposed to. Right. I feel like I'm not, but it's hard not to. It's hard to think about 
how traumatic it would be to have your, all of your bones disappear or right or, or whatever like what I don't know if you've ever you've been hurt before yes right and, and when you get hurt really bad you part of what hurts is that you just don't know why this has happened right it's way worse than pain right way worse than the pain so you can be you can break your arm and then be afraid of its shape like mm -hmm. the way it bends or like be afraid that if you do something else inadvertently you will make it worse and that anxiety that, will it ever get better will it will it ever get better will i be able to do the things i did before will i can i walk again if you broke your leg or something like that like i those those the fears of all of that at least for someone like me and the way i've experienced life are, are terrifying because once you get the pain going through and you're done with it it's over like, I've never really been the kind of person that's needed pain meds after something bad's happened. Sure. Like, the pain afterwards just feels like this is sort of part of it. Right. Maybe I've also never been hurt that bad. But the anxiety about it, the thinking, the overthinking is clearly uh, my capacity for which has been displayed in, uh, well in this podcast. It's been, it's been <laughs> documented extensively <laughs> in this podcast. But <laughs> We're just getting warmed up. Yes. Two-sevenths. Uh, but, like, it, it's, it's been... It, it's scary to, to be in those positions to to play that imagination game of where this is going. And maybe Harry doesn't have that problem. Maybe it's easy for him to just shrug off losing its bones and having them regrown. Clearly it was painful, but, you know, maybe that's a thing that I have that Harry doesn't have. But it's it does feel like the kind of thing that you would spend time examining or you would, you would be concerned about. E either way or any way... It, it works out in a way where you have this character who's your your protagonist who ends up being malicious, you know, and dangerous and a little torturous of everyone around him in ways that aren't incredibly obvious. And, mm -hmm. I, and again, most of what we've talked about or what I've talked about in these episodes has been like sort of that aspect of examining this character. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that really speaks to me throughout this stuff is that I'm not reading this in a way... And this isn't necessarily deliberate. It's just sort of the path my reading took me on uh, of, of not getting the impression that this is a kind of heroic character that we should be uh, excited to read about. Or like, I, like, if I was going to get an Avengers of like characters together from literature, I, I mean, I might not pick Harry Potter because he's kind like if I was looking for like heroes, I might right. not pick him because he's kind of like got he's got a darkness that's palpable. Right. And could be corrupted first. It's, worse. It's already he's you could. Arguably, say Harry's already a a dark person in the way that shouldn't be trusted in that with with that kind of responsibility. I don't have the faith that J.K. Rowling did all of that. Like I I don't have the faith that I'm picking up on everything that she's deliberately put down. I think that I I'm picking up on things that she inadvertently included. Mm -hmm. um, and that and I'm not trying to say that in a way that's like self congratulatory. I'm saying it in a way that is like. I think there is something more there than most people give credit for. I feel like that Harry is much darker than the general audience wants to admit or can detect. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there's a lot that goes into his like maliciousness. And I feel like part of that is like because in the films, Daniel Radcliffe plays him in such a very jovial like nice way. Like everything that the character does as portrayed by Daniel Radcliffe is done in a way that you you do get to feel the Without reading it, you get to feel the motivation behind what sure. the character's doing. Because Daniel Radcliffe is a very good actor, and he did a very good job in this role at, at such a young age and through being becoming a young man. Um, but that isn't as interpretable in the books. Right. I don't. I don't see most of his actions as being anything other than whiny or that of a 
an angered, pained child. I, there's certainly, I mean, in book five, it famously got it came it came much more to the fore, and it came off as whiny a lot. And people, yeah. but people complained about it. But really? there's certainly a bigger component of of that darkness, that selfishness in book five. Which one's book five, or the Phoenix? Or the Phoenix. Okay. Because four is Goblet of Fire. Goblet of Fire. Cool. Well, that sounds cool. I'm excited to hear about that. But even things as simple as taking Lockhart to the chamber. Sure. Harry knows full well the danger that's in there. But he puts this poor man at risk. Who's clearly terrified. Who's clearly terrified. And at this point, he's admitted, I believe, right, that he... Has he admitted... Yeah, he's... Yeah. Yeah, he's admitted, I don't... I didn't do the stuff I've done. I haven't done any of that. Right. So this is this is this is vindictive punishment. This is making you feel better. This is not really helping the situation at all. Yes, exactly. This, Worst best case scenario, you've got someone else to worry about. Right. This is only for or or maybe again. And Harry's. I'm not above assuming that Harry might have a desire to watch this man die. Do you think it's a desire to see him die, or or more of a a callous? The, the basilisk might go after him and give me a chance. I don't even think it's that okay. uh, nice. I think it's more like Harry just doesn't care. Like Harry can acknowledge this guy might die and it changes nothing for him. It doesn't make it more appealing or less appealing. Or maybe it makes it a little more appealing, but it certainly doesn't make it less appealing. He, he's he, just detached. He just doesn't care. It's more about, he's more concerned with feeling like he's been vin- vindicated mm-hmm. than he cares about the man whose life he's putting at risk's life being put at risk mm-hmm. you know it's i don't i don't think it's like oh finally i get to give lockhart i get to teach him a lesson right. that's not how it feels it feels more like this man you know wronged me and i'm not going to stand for it like he's gonna he's gonna be taught a lesson right it feels very much like that it feels vindictive that's the best word for it um i've, I've, I've got another two nine eyes i think that's i have no chapter. more notes in this chapter i have i am i'm free and clear till 309 this brings us to chapter 17, The Heir of Slytherin. Yes, we finally get to see who's behind all this malarkey. Which is funny because, you know, snakes don't have hair. For the audience at home, I'm glaring at him. Oh, no, we're keeping that in. <laughs> you put those snapping fingers away. <laughs> snakes don't have hair. So how can there be a, the hair of Slytherin? You sit in that. Think about what you've done. Mammals have hair. Yeah. Reptiles don't have hair. No, they don't have hair. They lay eggs. They do. They don't give life Mm -mm. (sighs) birth. All right. Uh, 309. Go for it. I I don't... I know there's an element of being coy when you're, you know, in your teens. That's not wanting to jump to a conclusion and being accused of being wrong, whether it's, is that girl interested in me? You don't want to make the move. You really want her to spell it out or what have you. But Harry takes a really long time to suss out that Riddle's being a dick. (laughs) Just like, what do you mean, Tom? I just, I'm like, dude, he's toying with you. I understand that Jenny is in distress Yeah, and you are focused on that and making sure her vitals are there and whatnot, but then, come on, let's let's pick up the pace. <laughs> well, there's also that moment in, in the same moment where he, Harry doesn't really give almost two thoughts about how the hell is Tom Riddle physical right now? How is he out of the the 
diary. Mm-hmm. He barely acknowledges like that he's even like incorporeal at this point, or like not completely physical. Knows he's he's fuzzy around the edges. Yeah, that's, that's it. He's, it. He has a feathering. Right, <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Like it's it's barely. It's like what, like five pixels? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So it it definitely seems like it just felt weird. That I mean, I. I don't like this chapter. Oh, really? I really don't. Like, to, to, to Taki or? Part of what you're describing is it just feels like, I mean. This, it, it's it's drawn out for the audience? No, I feel like it's it's rushed. I feel like this whole oh, okay. end of the book is rushed just like the last season of Game of Thrones. It's like this whole, you have all this long buildup, this like sort of, at least in this book, kind of enjoyable buildup okay. to a, a mystery that's scary like you have things that are happening that are interesting. You have people that are like events that are happening that can't are not explained, and then you you end it with two pages of monologuing, like solid two solid pages of of Voldemort just explaining all of the clues out. Right. It, it's it's like this moment is like that moment in Clue where Tim Curry is like, and then they're back in this room and they're just running around everywhere in the house. It's like that, but like just but supposed to be scary. But I can't read it scary. I'm reading it like Tim Curry. Okay, <laughs> which would be interesting. It would be I would, great. I would, I would I would read that book. Another guy I wish was in this film, or these films. Like, there's just so many actors. That, I mean, there's not enough roles, but there's so many actors. I'm like, oh, wouldn't it have been cool? He's another great British actor. I'm pretty sure that was one of the rules they had was they didn't want any American actors on this. Uh, Certainly not for for anyone who was not, any, for anyone who was British. They had to be British. Yeah. Were there any Americans in the mo- in the first movie? Oh, in the first movie. Oh no! no in the in the in the, in, in in the, the Harry Potter series, not Fantastic Beasts. Like, I think you might see some later in Goblet of Fire, but like kind of across the way, like, oh, those are the Salem witches. Oh, yeah, but that's not. Yeah, the same. but no, like, no I, I'm, like, I can't think of a, char- a speaking character. Right. No. Yeah. Uh, like it's it's one of the cool things about I, one of the things I really like about the movies is they did take that extra effort. Right. They're like, no, you're gonna have to be somewhere from the UK, like, or somewhere in Europe, basically. And it's it's just awesome, I love it. Uh, and but there's but then again you lose so many actors who like sure, and and they lose because I'm a nerd who thinks of them like you know collectible cards. Like <laughs> and I'm like oh I I gotta get Tim Curry in my in a Harry Potter role. Wouldn't that be great? I mean this is early for this, but since it never happened, um, I know J.K. Rowling said she promised Bob Hoskins she'd write a role for him and totally forgot, and he's dead now. That is sad. That's <laughs> sad. Wow, that sucks. Sorry to bring it down. Yeah. I mean, Tim Curry's acting career is pretty much over, too, so. No. And, and you know, everybody else is dead, too. Death readers. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> <sighs> uh, yeah. What was your point <laughs> about, oh, yeah, taking uh, Tom Riddle, yeah. the, the seeing Tom Riddle? <laughs> 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 um, the, yeah, he, uh, Hey, yeah, it's it's weird. I, I mean, you think part of it is that we're supposed to see an, a, a sort of allusion to Harry also having a thing for Ginny, or do you think it's just like it could have been anybody that he would have not noticed with? Like anybody could have been on that floor. I feel, mm, yeah, I I wasn't getting that. I thought it was just a. So it's supposed to be him so focused on this person needs help. It just it just took a long so time, I, and maybe it was for the beats of. Maybe it's what you're saying. Maybe it's because there was so much monologuing. She had to take time to make sure the reader's focus was this guy is bad. Right. And she was doing that by gradients. But it just, in that sense, in that whole 
scene maybe took as much time as it was supposed to, but because of the monologuing, it just felt like it took forever. It, it does feel like it takes forever because he is just, he's literally hitting every mystery, every little clue and explain, like I said, about like, like in clue, it's just hitting every single one. So you don't miss a thing. Mm -hmm. like there's no, there's no stone left unturned here. And I, and, and I don't mind that. What I mind is the feeling like it, I wonder about the construction of these sort of stories. Mm -hmm. uh, like when you're writing it, I wonder if you write out, I wonder if she, for example, writes out the basic plot premise and then sort of goes through and adds fun bits and then says, well, I need to have some sort of mystery and then like reverse engineers a mystery where she's like, I need something to get Voldemort there. What if I had a diary? And like, and then, and then it's like, well, the diary needs to show up here, here and here in these previous chapters and then finds way to like, like plug them in like like you would you know just like a puzzle sure like you just go backwards and find till everything's in place and then you have it and it sort of looks good this one very much feels like it was done like that it very much feels like she was like i need i'm gonna put a snake in there i'm gonna put the diary and i need to have things that make all this happen and every time she just goes back and like just sort of quickly designs a, a, a cute mysterious way for it to work and then it's and then those things are really unessential to every other part of the plot except this one mystery thread. Sure. Everything else sort of happens around this mystery. I'm trying to think of a good way to describe it, but like imagine if this is a, this might work. Imagine if you made cheese. Okay. Follow me here. <laughs> you were going to make cheese. You know, it's not cheese. It's a candle. Like you you make a candle with with wax and you stick a a, a wick in it. Sure. So imagine you stuck a wick that had like seven threads. It would all be, they would all be in there, but like the mass of the candle is wax. It's not these threads that are burning through. Mm -hmm. It's the everything else around it. So like what I'm saying is that, and all of that stuff is relatively unaffected by the, the amount of wicks. It just is, it's all still there on its own. And it's, it's very well connected and thought out and solid, but these, like these little things are, they feel like they're shoved in. They feel like they're out of place. But when your interest is a flame, it burns as a whole. And, and I can get that, but it, it just, it still feels like, it feels like a, like a $1 candle. Sure. It still feels kind of cheap. Like it feels like w when I can see the wicks is sure. what I'm saying. I, I feel like that feels like it's not as special. And I, again, I must be overthinking this. And I, I know that that's going to drive listeners crazy if we have more than four, but <laughs> it, it would, uh, it just, it does feel like that kind of story. And it's just like, all right, I, I, and it's only enforced by this, you know, dense couple pages of let's just make sure I hit everything in my notes that I, you know, I compiled in this last couple of minutes and made it work. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, it feels it feels like that. And that's that's rough. And so I'm I have no more notes in the chamber and I'm out until 329. Um, I think I've always had trouble with Harry and Jenny's uh relationship okay at the end especially at the end like it always kind of bothered me that they ended up together mm -hmm. because it just it feels like it really hits in this book and then never again and i haven't read the other books but sure. like, at least in the films harry has love interest with almost every other character except uh except jenny i know that there is a thing where um if you experience ser serious trauma with another person mm -hmm. like let's say you're on a you have a, a, a casual friend and you guys are both in like a train accident together you're in a car accident together something like that like that will bond you closer mm -hmm. like going through that little bit of trauma will make you you know give you this sort of shared solidarity that you won't have with anybody else sure and that kind of thing depending on how traumatic it is can in a lot of cases result in these kind of like long-term committed relationships and i 
So in a sense, while I felt bothered by it because I haven't seen their relationship blossom in the films or any, any other way, the rationalist part of me looks at it and goes, well, maybe. Like, there's, there, I know of a reason why that could happen because there's very little, especially for Ginny, there's nothing in her life that's been as traumatic as this up right. to this point. So to go through that with Harry has a huge error effect. Mm -hmm. it, could, it could easily meld them together in a way that's imperceptible to the reader or us. Sure. If you were around them, you'd know... Ginny feels really comfortable and safe around Harry. Mm -hmm. like you just know that being around her uh, and him. And that a lot of time results in this sort of like invisible attraction. That, sure. Yeah. Anyway, I just, I wanted to mention that because I, I have, it's more of a personal observation and change. In sure, life. but I think it could certainly inform the characters just later, yeah. later on because they're pretty young still. What number did you add? 329. I have 322. Go for it. Um, have, have you ever read anything before this story or since that indicates that the tears of a phoenix have healing properties. No. Yeah, neither have I. I haven't read. I haven't done a lot of phoenix. I did more research. I did four minutes oh, last shit. night. That's of, more than I've done. Of of searching, do do phoenix tears do anything? And mm -hmm. the only thing I found was a bunch of CBD oil product called Phoenix Tears. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how much healing property that has, but that's all I found. I, I was looking at. You know, Wikipedia, yes, but it was they, they pretty much they pretty exhaustively covered the abilities and capacities of phoenixes from Greek myth. Sure. None of them involved the tears being healing. That's the kind of shit that I'm talking about that feels like it's forced sort of retconning, but also just like it's definitely deus ex machina. Yeah. Um, I, I would give it a pass on the sense of I'm creating my own mythology and it's like, how, how do you kill a vampire? However the hell you want to kill a vampire because it's your story. Oh, yeah, I guess. But but it is definitely Deus Ex Machina, and, and that is a little... It feels convenient. Less it, yeah, yeah exactly. it's, it's that's just, less defensive. Yeah, and that's... I think you're exactly right. It's it's this it's the God Machine complex where you get this thing that suddenly fixes it. Right. And then I even, like, went back to look. I was like, what? Did they mention that earlier? Because fucking Tom Riddle says, Oh, Phoenix Tears and Feeling Properties. I forgot. <laughs> And I went back <laughs> That's pretty lame. And I found the page. It was like page 207 where in like in literal like it's a comma. It's like this is what Phoenix Phoenixes are like. They are fiery. They are fiercely loyal, comma. Tears have healing powers. Tears have healing powers, comma, something else. Right. But like. Like I was saying before, it feels like this stuff's been shoehorned back in, like okay, in reverse yeah, order. Yeah. That's what this feels like. There's a big parenthesis here that's like, should probably include this little <laughs> note here. And that's that's how it reads. It's real. It's it's not even a clue. You know what I mean? And that's that's the problem I have with it, is it's not a clue. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's covering your ass. Right. So it... it I'm it, setting this up for later. Yeah. Or No, not. It's, I'm, I have to, I have to oh, justify right, right. this now. I have to set it up yes. in the past. Right. That's how it feels. Um and also, another thing that bothers me about it, it has nothing to do with the symbolic nature of a phoenix. Phoenixes having healing properties could. The idea of the phoenix being a representation of rebirth or of new, a, a new thing or a, a significant change from the way you were before to how you are now, those are all, you know, literary devices and tools that phoenixes have been used for for thousands of years. That's cool. I get that. But, like... Tears mean nothing. Like, tear, the tears, it, it's even antithetical to a phoenix because they're wet. Phoenixes themselves are supposed to be hot and mm -hmm. fiery, the antithesis of which is water and liquid. Right. So it's really weird, especially because she doesn't describe the tears other than tears. She does not describe them as being, like, hot. She doesn't describe them as being, like, like sort of, like, steaming. She, she, there's nothing about them that 
you know, even gets the sort of nature of the Phoenix included in them. Right. They're just tears. Right. It feels very, feels very poorly done. Uh, I'm sorry to all the Potter fans who are listening, all four of you. Like, it just, it just doesn't feel, on a literary level, it, it feels out of place. I completely agree. It'd be like saying that you wanted to take uh, something from a, the Basilisk that was, like, had to do with its rattle. And then you're like, what, they have rattles now? And you're like, yeah, because they're big snakes. And it's now it's a rattlesnake. And I need the rattle. It's like, what's that got to do with its piercing eyes and its poisonous, like, body and, and fangs? It's like, no, it rattles. Yep. <laughs> rattle is the important part. I'm going to use a rattle now. Okay. Just, it feels, no, it's, it just feels it's, just as forced. It's, an, it's a great observation Thanks. that I had not thought of. Thanks, man. <laughs> if, if Here's the thing. If somebody out there who's listening does know the answer to this, Please let me know. Like, please contact us in our at Real Death Reader on Twitter. Uh, you can write us at uh, deathreaders at gmail.com. You can find us on Podbean and let us know that Doug's wrong. Yeah, Podbean definitely takes comments and we do read them. So, anytime you want to tell me how wrong I am, go on there and do it. Lambast me. You say lambast? I do. I think I prefer, but I was raised with lambast. That feels more like a cooking thing, and I don't baste my lambs. Still wake up sometimes in the middle of the night. God damn it, you stepped (laughs) on my line, you piece of shit. I didn't even step on it. I jumped ahead of it. Oh. Hope you choke. I'm pretty much... We have one more chapter. Uh, 329. um, I don't even... I think I'm done with this. I'm done with numbers. I'm Uh, done with numbers. I... Oh, okay. I liked it when Mr. Weasley got mad. About Jenny... Specifically Jenny and the book... Yeah, because I know yeah. but it 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 it's it's this thing again that the books do that the movies don't where it balances the people out cuz the movies are really good about Mrs. Weasley's the strict one, Mr. Weasley's the fun wacky one who has to sometimes just like minding another child. <laughs> I got eight kids, not seven or whatever the fuck she has. Um but no, he he got to be stern. It, it, it's like the car, how the car was fed up. And that was a representation of him. Um, I like that he's like, God damn it, Jenny. If you can't see where it keeps his brain, what the fuck are you doing? You know this. And I know a lot of this frustration about almost losing his daughter, but at the same time, it was nice. It was a nice, well-rounded moment Yeah, that with, I really liked. I'm totally with you, and I think that there's another part there of, you're, you know, you're a parent, I'm not, but I imagine that there are some times when you're parenting when you get, there are frustrating moments mm-hmm. where you feel like, You've addressed this lesson, like you're trying to impart some sort of wisdom or knowledge into your kid, right. and there's and there and you're observing an instance where they are not using the information you've imparted upon on them. Mm-hmm. Where and you be, at a certain point you're supposed to have patience and you gotta have patience, but at a certain point you're human and you get frustrated, and that's what I read here. I read that moment that feels like a very real kind of moment mm-hmm. where a parent is. Frustrated and angry because they've tried to teach their kid how to avoid a situation like one that they found themselves in that can potentially be lethal mm-hmm. or cause them great harm. And that is such a real thing. And scared. Because nothing's going to put you off being the calm, right. wise, benevolent parent, like being scared. Right. That's when a lot of the, you know, it's going to come out as anger because well, you're it's, terrified. It's also exactly the same reaction that uh, Mrs. Weasley had in the beginning of the book with the car. Sure. Where... She, they've just learned that their kids were doing something so dangerous that they could have died. Right. I think the funny thing is that in that car situation, we're not supposed to believe they could have died. We're right. supposed to be like, oh, she's overreacting. Right. What a what a mother hen right. kind of situation. But in this one, we really believe it. And it's kind of weird because it kind of maybe 
And that's a great observation too. You're saying it's fair, but it also might be kind of unfair because it might give just the justification. Because he's being the reasonable one. Exactly. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. That. And that was four of her kids flying. How high? How fast? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's an interesting note you've made. I really like that. Uh, They, but at the same time, also like, it's another part that makes it really real is the part where, as soon as Jenny freaks out, also Mm -hmm. like as soon as it becomes clear that she's. Not sitting here being like, I know best. Like, I know what I'm doing. She's terrified. She just had a traumatic experience. It seems like he kind of, like, Mr. Weasley gets it. And he's sure. like, all right, okay, it's fine. Let's, we just got to, like, it's almost like that moment when you when you lecture because you get upset. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, oh, okay, it's. She does get it. It's, yeah, it's really, like, me this freaking is, I'm out. Venting. Is, yeah, it's me. It's about me right now instead right. of being about her. And I need to change because sure. it's more important to help her and to, to get her through it. Than I, I can have my moments later and I can decompress on my own quietly or whatever later, mm-hmm. but let's just deal with this. I, you're right. That's a really great couple of moments there that feel really real in a book that has a lot of really unreal moments. Um, do you have anything else in this chapter? In this chapter, no. I have basically that I really hope that... And th- I wrote this note before I read the last chapter. Sure. This, this sort of gets addressed, but like I really hope that Ginny uh, gets ostracized for the rest of the, the book series as like this... this like I would like to read the version of Harry Potter where she becomes like a pariah because yeah, she she's becomes, been the like, vessel Luna. for the heir of Slytherin. Right, she becomes the way Lu- people treat Luna as sort of like a weirdo, but like, ex- but for a different, darker reason. Sure, like, she really like manif- like she holds and manifests inside herself. Like she gets really uh, resentful of everyone because she's a victim. Well, and we've learned from the last book that they can't keep this shit secret because right. Harry was in the hospital wing and everyone knew about it. So yeah. of course they would know that. So somehow it would leak that she was the one. Well, or like the way Hagrid was treated. Sure. You know, because it's literally the same situation. Like you're, everyone finds out this is the person responsible for this. So I'm imagining Hagrid had to suffer with a lot of bullying and teasing and et cetera. Not to spoil it for you, but I believe this is never explored. God damn it. <laughs> it would be fascinating. It, it seems it just subplot seems, to deal with. It seems so logical. Sure. It seems such like such a natural progression. Like the yes and here seems so obvious. Right. Um, whatever it should happen um, it should have happened alright I am I am now ready and on to chapter 18 Dobby's reward did you have anything I really don't have anything I mean it's the end of the book and I just don't have anything like I uh, you know in terms of the, the myth of Harry Potter there's a lot that happens here in these last couple chapters but they're all they all just seem so arbitrary and boring like none of it feels like it has the oomph I would expect from the you know climax of a story i mean like, he, dobby guy's reward you like you famously like dobby no not in the book though this this book isn't done the same way no it's better in the movie it's so much better in the movie it's so much better in the movie the book is really clunky about it it's like, very clunky like he even like he puts he the just, book in the sock he puts, for no, one thing which is weird in the book in the in this he puts the book in the sock and oh really what, yes he stuffs the diary into the book or into the sock which is grimy and he thrusts it at him oh okay and he has to take it out which is awkward right and he has to fling this which is right. awkward he has to fling it towards Dobby which is happenstance Dobby has to think to catch it which is Co- coincidence would he do right right, co- right. Like, like, so, day sex machina again yeah for example does do, do house elves never do laundry they totally do laundry <laughs> well, how but is that any you're not presenting it it's like he's not really presenting it here either. He's you you have to go it. get the laundry from the hamper. Here he's it's leaving his hand. It just feels our, our you're right. It, it's just it's not great. The movie's so much better than than this. Um, um yeah, and Harry has to be like open it. He's, he's like open it, and he's like please get what I'm saying here. Right. The subtext, and then Dobby's like ah oh, fucking get it. Right. 
And that's amazing. Right. And there's also like, it's the audience doesn't expect it. There's no scene where Harry's taking his sock off in the movie. I think he just gives him the thing and there's a sock in it. Like in this, we know he's taking his sock off. He knows he's doing stuff with the sock. Right. It's like, what's he doing with the sock? And then he gets it and it's like, oh, that's weird, I guess. But then even, okay, so let's, so that happens, yes. Okay. But also, once again, it shows how powerful house elves are. Why are they so discarded? Why are they so considered to be lesser than? Like, I don't, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. They seem to be way more powerful on a base level than humans in terms of magical abilities, Mm -hmm. but they're treated as less than. Also, again, like one of the problems I have with this whole thing is like, if all these fantastic beasts exist and all these different creatures and all these different races exist, how is it that the muggle world just doesn't know about it? Like, how is it possible that the wizards are able to keep everything else on, on, like, on such a low key? And why? And That's well, yeah. the biggest thing, why? Like, why can't... Yeah, exactly. I'm literally powerful than the continent put together. Right. What do I care if you know about me? Or, or like, you know about trolls. Right. Like... Why, They're gonna why, raise a stink. Well, then they'll get over it, and there'll yeah, be trolls in their life. Yeah. Why is this? Why are trolls so much more? Uh, why are the trolls significant enough to exclude from the Muggle population, but flamingos aren't? Right. Like, like I mean, flamingos don't have superpowers, but like, it, well, it they change seems, color when they eat shrimp. Yeah. It, it, sure, but it just seems so arbitrary. It just seems like. Who who also takes the the fucking like notes? Who does this reverse Noah's Ark where they're like. Okay, we we're choosing this list of creatures to not let muggles know about. Right. They can know about everything else in the world, but they they can know about whales, but they can't know about kraken or whatever. Sure. It, it just seems it just seems weird. Um and, and I don't know, just there's so much. <laughs> there's just so much that just seems so strange and arbitrary or unexplained and even if it was explained, the the reality of acting out these things of removing the like okay, imagine how much how hard it would be to, like, remove something we already know about from our world. Right. Like, imagine the moon. Like, just to remove the moon and can try to convince everybody the moon didn't happen. Like, the moon just wasn't ever a thing. Not that we didn't even land on it, but, like, that it wasn't there. <laughs> Flat earthers. Like, th- these people are... It's the same thing. It's like, you're you're crazy. Like, what if... I don't know. It just, it just feels like the co- same kind of concept of if you're trying to remove unicorns from the world. Right. Trying to make the non-magical population believe they don't exist... That seems like an intense undertaking. Yeah. And it seems arbitrary, but whatever. Or unless it's a conservation thing, unless it's like a massive conservation thing. I'm sure that could easily be argued to be a part of it, but I think on the whole, it's if magic exists, what else exists that's magic and then our society is exposed? But what's the problem with that? Well, I mean, the the only problem is that muggles famously murder witches, so... Yeah, but real witches? I mean, I believe if, if, if memory serves, the opening chapter... Of the next book will address that. Okay. At least, I mean, it's going to touch on it, but it's going to point out that real witches didn't give a fuck. When witch trials caught them by mistake, they're like, whatever, to separate. Fuck you. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Right. And, you know, I mean, they'll they'll, they'll time it to be within the flames or something, but they don't give a fuck. So why do you care? If they're that powerful, why aren't you saving the, the humans who are being burnt as witches out of the goodness of your heart? So the way human evolutions worked is that when there have been competing species of bipedal humanoids, sure. they put each other out. They, okay. they, they run each other extinct. Okay. So now we really only have one that is a collection of a couple in, inbreedings and different things from like Neanderthals, etc. But we have one unified thing because we are in our territorial and we are fucking murdering each other all the time. But like 
I think that there must, I would hope that there's some sort of acknowledgement that like humans are essentially violent, you know, horrible monsters sure. and, and wizards seem to try to put themselves on an echelon above that. Sure. But it kind of feels like it, you can't have it both ways. You can't simultaneously be so not concerned about them because they can their their threats mean nothing, and also need to hide yourselves from them right. to keep yourself safe. Right. It, it seems like I don't know. I want this explained. And, sure, and it, it isn't so far. It, it contradicts itself. Yeah, like so much here, so much in these books seem to contradict themselves, and again feel like at the end of the day it, she just goes back and says yeah yeah but this and like scribbles it in in like a you know the cliff notes like, like in, the, in the margins of the papers like sure. uh, arrow this is why and that's like like phoenix tears it, it just all feels like the same thing uh, anyway it there's um there's something else that we should we should talk about which is that uh, what is with lucius malfoy it's again sort of like shoehorned in here in the end of the book that he has masterminded this whole thing. Like, he's deliberately taken Tom Riddle's diary and given it to Ginny so that it gets into a student's hand, so it gets into Hogwarts, so it can be near Harry Potter. No. No? No. What is... Uh, Dumbledore did say what it was, and this actually... I don't think they say it in great detail later, but it is brought up that he's doing this for the wrong reasons and gets in trouble for it from his boss, from Voldemort. Oh, yeah. Oh. Because the diary's destroyed. Right, because it's a horcrux. Right. Right. Which is he does not, which Voldemort does not want. Right. But also, he did it so Arthur's daughter would be killing purebloods and fuck up Arthur's. Um, oh, it was just petty. It wasn't. It even, was really fucking petty. It wasn't even. No. For, but see, that was even before they got in their fight out there. Like that was in the middle. Of, so he had to pre premeditate that. So their feud goes even further. Well, it was. Just, it was just fight. like he's bringing this this bill. Right. That I don't want. This would be a way to fuck him up. Yeah. Maybe kill some 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 mudbloods. Snooping around like like it's, sure. it's peppered in, the, in there that we know that he's hiding stuff. He's hiding yep. things. Um, so this will so this will show him know. get him out. I mean, but it's not more than that, which is kind of a cool motivation. It is, but it also seems like for someone who is literally a Death Eater, like it seems like really miss like it seems like he's really badly informed about what he should be doing to help well, I, the cause of Voldemort. The reason that is, I, I think, explained that. Voldemort's just, he keeps not showing up. Oh, okay. And it's been so long. It's been like 13 years now. Mm. So I've got these dark artifacts. So I might as well do something with him because he's not coming back. So he gets he, he gets in trouble for it. Um, so you're, yeah. Yeah, but that's why, I mean, and, but like you said, the diary, you know, has its own consciousness. It woke up. It's like, oh, this is where I am now. Might as well do what I can. And, and I wanted to clear. The diary doesn't know what older Voldemort wants. Right. It's just trying to do as much of its own evil as possible. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he, it, it, this was not well planned. Yeah, and and you did mention this earlier, but it, it did come up in this episode or this these chapters about the diary does have memory. It does wait. It does exist outside of the books being closed and no one using it. Right. Um, which is an interesting addition to that concept. Um, like I can, it's easier to appreciate that, 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 you know, how 50 years or whatever, driving that version of Voldemort insane, mm -hmm. even more so when we're in a sure. different, different way. Yeah. It's kind of scary though. Like to think that, that like, again, that that kind of another problem I have with this whole world is that like a character like, uh, Lucius Malfoy can do things like that and he kind of loses his job and that's it like like how is he not like put in Azkaban in this exact moment how is he not because they can't prove it 
they can't they can't prove that a he had the diary b he slipped it to jenner diary did the things they're saying it did they can't i think i feel like dumbledore's testimony he probably has i think he's got spells that would reveal the enchantments that have been on the diary Oh, you know what they could do? Hmm. This is, okay, this is the exact thing. They could they could a hundred percent pensieve out Harry's memory of what happened in the chamber, and then use that. No, no they couldn't do that. Oh, they couldn't do that no, because pensieves don't exist yet. They don't, exist, they don't yet. exist for two more books. Two more books. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Great. No, there's you. You literally have a way to get eyewitness accounts of crimes and put them on display, mm. but you can't do it. Mm. You just can't do it. It hasn't been invented yet. Yeah, it hasn't been invented. It hasn't it's retroactively been invented. This thing that Dumbledore has been using for decades, right? And occasionally just you know throws in his weird little wispy brains into a like a little birdbath. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. I, I don't it, doubt. Were she to rewrite the books now? They would be structured better, yeah. but she's inventing as she goes. It's a kid's book. Maybe she didn't understand how. Oh, for sure. But still, like engaging they were going to be, and how or how obsessed people would be, or how obsessed people would be. I don't even understand that, but it's whatever. It, uh, I, I think the idea that it doesn't even brought up in this moment, though, is an idea that Dumbledore was literally removed. Hagrid was taken to Azkaban. He's taken to a prison. So all of this stuff is established as possibilities. As the audience, we, we are informed now that these are things that can happen. Lucius Malfoy gets to leave without anybody so much as saying, sir, come with us. Like, <laughs> we're calling the Ministry of Magic. Like, we at least you, have some talks. Yeah, we've also been in contact with all the other governors, and it turns out you've threatened them with cursing their families. Like, There's all this stuff that seems like it should be very easy to put him behind bars. Unless, of course, it doesn't matter because it's all arbitrary bullshit that she's just writing and none of it means anything anyway. And that's, I think, unfortunately the truth, and that upsets me. Because I want to be treated better by an author. Sure. Like, I want them to take the cred- the, the opportunity to, like, to just take a little bit of time on it and say, I know I want this to happen. I've got to come up with a way, or there's got to be a reason why he isn't. this isn't happening. Right. Like, you're establishing that this character doesn't have really great political clout. That's being established right now. We pr- we thought he did. Cornelius Fudge came in and it looked like he did, but now we're being told that that was all fraudulent. Okay, that removes that level of power that he has. Um, he's also literally trying to get a kid, like tr- he's trying to encourage a child to murder other children. We have evidence of it that we could easily present in a, in a case, but we're not doing that because... Shrug? Like... I mean, literally, I think in two books from now, we're going to be able to literally watch a trial memory happen, right? Yes. It's the same thing. Functionally, it's the same thing. Like, there should have been a way to... There should be a way to put Lucius Malfoy on trial in the exact same way. The only reason I think that there's not is because there was, like, a martial law enacted then, and a lot of rights were suspended. Oh. And so now there's a there's more of a due process he'd be able to wiggle out of with lawyers and things, because I think Sirius didn't even have a trial. Oh, he didn't. No, or if he did, it would be like, yeah, he's guilty. In. I wasn't talking about Sirius's trial. No, I know you weren't. I know you weren't. You were talking about. Um... Junior. <sighs> no, I know, I know. I was just trying to think of the people he was with, so I didn't have to say Junior. The Lestranges, I believe. I believe he went to jail with them. Oh, okay. Um, but anyways. But yeah, he, he it, it, it was it was it was way more of a um... kangaroo court. <laughs> like a kangaroo court, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It still seems weird. Just still seems weird. Barty Crouch, that's his name, right? Yeah. 
I just I couldn't remember. You didn't want to ruin any surprises. Oh. There's a hundred percent less David Tennant tongue work in the book. Oh, lame. Well, he's just so talented. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he, yeah, uh, uh, his trial, like, I mean, unfortunately for me, it's precedent. It hasn't happened yet, but it's precedent right. for this kind of thing being possible. Why isn't it happening? It's just, these, I mean. Okay. It will have had happened. Here's another way it feels. This okay. book feels how it ends. Is it feels like someone was like, whoa, a 300 page kid's book? <laughs> <laughs> no, wrap it up. Like, finish this. And so, like, unfortunately, she's not established enough by book two to be able to say, no, I'm going to let this happen. Sure. Like, like an editor or publisher was like, no, nah, 329 pages or whatever the book is. Like, that's where you're capping it. Because it just feels like the other books are so much bigger. Like, some yeah. of the books are huge. They are. This one is big, but, like, it's not. It sounds like it could have been 100, page, 100 pages bigger. I could see that. I really could, too. And that's what it feels like in these last, like, pages. It feels like other times I've read things where authors are famously cut short. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine any time you've seen a, a TV show. Sure. It suddenly gets canceled. And sure. they're like, well, we have to wrap things up. Or... Peter David was writing Captain Marvel in the early 2000s, late 90s, and it got canceled. Mm-hmm. And he had this huge, terrific, you know, plan for the character and what was going to happen in his arcs planned out. It got canceled. So last couple issues, he just crammed everything he was going to do into it in like, he just have panels and say, so this is how this is going to work. <laughs> he says, I was going to do this and then this would happen and then this would happen. He'd have his characters explain it to the audience just said, fuck it. This is what happened. This is what was supposed to happen. And I don't get it anymore because the book's been canceled. But here it is. I'm doing it anyway, but real quick. Right. That's how this feels. Okay. Is it's just like, we got to get all this stuff done. Let's end it in the last 30 pages and really make sure that I've tied up everything nicely and then finished it because I'm done with it. I just don't want to do it anymore. Kind of just feels rushed. Last 30 pages feel real rushed. Well, at least it's not the end of the series. Maybe there'll be a better flow. But even this book kind of ends like it might be the end of the series. Like, they talk about coming back again, but, um, like, the last page has this really sad, like, finality to it where they go, your uncle will be proud, though, won't they? Said Hermione as they got off the train and joined the crowd thronging towards the enchanted barrier. When they hear what you did this year? Proud, said Harry. Are you crazy? All those times I could have died and didn't manage it? They'll be furious. (laughs) And together, they walked back through the gateway to the muggle world. It just sounds like that could have been the end of it all. And it also sounds truncated. Very, it, it like, does. we're done. Yeah. Get out. Right. So, I mean, my memory of the film is a lot, like, stronger. Mm-hmm. Like, my emotions about the film is a lot stronger because Dobby is so important. Like, Dobby's so cool. Um, this one doesn't even, again, it barely explains, like, Dobby barely, I feel like in the movie, he's so much more important. When his revelation happens, it's like, oh, shit. Because there's this, for me, there was always this idea of, what's when's Dobby gonna do something else? Like, right. There's this tension of is Dobby is Dobby like doing shit that's contributing to all this, and you don't know. Uh, he's not, but like there's a tension in the film because it's you know two and a half hours or whatever it is. But here it's just like it just loses it. But I, uh, I mean, do you have any other other notes? N- other other no no more notes about the book. I'm excited to get to book four. Because I really book four. But I know. Wow. I mean, book three is a favorite, but book four is really where there's huge digressions and chunks of the book are oh, right. removed the for the movie, right. and that's where I feel like we're really gonna blossom. All right. Cool. But until then, we got book three. Yeah, um, we have book three. That we're gonna take a break. We are gonna take a break. I'm not from from this regularly scheduled podcast. I'm yeah. not. Uh, yeah. 
we're, we're, the plan is to take care of and record some commentaries for the first two Get films. Get on Patreon. I'm not sure how that works exactly. Yeah, I know I can put podcast-exclusive episodes on Patreon, so I still need to figure out the mechanics the of doing... Thing. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll figure that out, but like, gonna... so it might not be next week is what I think what we're trying to you know, brace everyone for. Right. It might not be in a week's time, but this is why we're taking a break. We are going to make sure we get this done, uh, and then... When it comes out, it'll come out. And then, you know, then we'll start up with season three. Yes. Uh, the Prisoner of Azkaban. Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. Fan favorite. All right. All right. Well, um, thank you. Check us out. Yeah. Uh, deathreaders at gmail.com. If you want to send us an email, correcting Doug, uh, tweet at us, at Real Death Reader. Check us out on Patreon. Every little bit helps. Thank you for listening. Thank you. For, yeah, I'm, I'm Doug. I'm Rob. And thank you for listening. I might just leave in that you forgot about it. No, that'd be bad. No, it wouldn't. It shows that you're human. No, I don't want to be human. I want to be entertaining. Um. <laughs> <laughs> don't we all? Um, you're gulping. I was just going to pause. Not your mic. Oh, you're right. You're doing that now. Yeah. Um, the. <laughs> I misspoke. I'm not trying to. No, I, I think she does. You got me. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's a good point. <laughs>